in every situation in our lives. And as a family of believers, we thank God for that. With every teaching of Jesus, before the encouragement comes, there's usually the heavy reality of the sad things that one has experienced in life so that the hope and the encouragement of what is offered becomes more wonderful. Jesus stories. Luke today will talk about being rich towards God. I posted about a month ago that that is my thing for 2018 in my life. I will use 2018 to be rich towards God. And one lady that's now moved to the Detroit area said, what does that mean, rich towards God? So a few months back, after having taken the last at least seven years to tell my mother goodbye in advance of her probable passing because she had very little of her heart left, pacemaker, defibrillator, ongoing issues, always concerned that I wanted to make sure that I said to my mom, I love you, I'll, uh, I'll miss you, but I know where you're going to be. I know that you've loved the Lord. And, and that's really uh, what is so important in life, being able to say those things to the people that you love and not put those things off. And so I feel like I was very successful in telling her and my other loved ones, like, I love you. If I don't get back and make this eight-hour drive to see you again, and and you go in the middle of the night or in your sleep, I love you, and I'll see you on the other side. And last week, out of Luke 16, as hard as it is to let people go that we love, Jesus told us that the moment you die, you're either in paradise at Abraham's bosom, or you're lost to an eternity of torment and agony in hell. Hard teaching, but centered in the reality for believers that it doesn't have to be that way for us. So I'd been home and had the last conversation with mom. She had been sick. It was looking like things were going the wrong direction, at least for her life to be lived on this earth. But I said my goodbyes. I had to get back to Grand Rapids, my family, my responsibilities, and it's hard to leave. I got home, was home a day, and then I get a text message at uh, basically 2.37 a.m. in the morning, and it's from my sister. If you want to see mom before she passes, you better get in the car and head home now. The nurse is here administering the lorazepam and the morphine to make her comfortable and help her with the pain control. And 
I wasn't going to go, and I thought, well, I've said my goodbyes, and I was speaking to one of my elders, and all the elders were like, you need to go, you need to go. And it's like, I've said my goodbyes. And then one elder just said something, and it pricked my heart like, I'm going. And so I left Grand Rapids, arrived at 8 p.m. in Albin, Illinois, town of 1800, the town and home that I've known for 56 years of my life. And I walk in, and the nurse leaves. My sister doesn't want to administer the lorazepam and the morphine, and so I get that responsibility, and I'm fine with doing it every two hours. And all of this, it's the backdrop. Mom wanted to home. And we promised her that we would keep her, take care of her, whether she had to live with us or not, or however we would work that out. But we wanted her to have quality of life. God, please bring her home to her son that she lost, who died at 17. Lord, take her home to dad, to her parents. She's known you and loved you. Take home, don't let this linger, was all of the prayers of her children. And so after about uh, 6.27 in the morning, last two minutes, probably the hardest thing I've ever had to watch, mom started to die. I went to the closet door and grabbed my dad's shirt that she had hung on that door since the day he died, April 23rd, 2011. And I laid that shirt across her as she was dying, and it just brought me comfort. thought, Dad's with you. We're talking with her. You're okay, Mom. And at 627, Mom was gone. Gone. 56 years of Mom and Dad, now Mom. Dad's sort of there because Mom's there. Just, it's gone. So we have to call the nurse, and they've got to come take vitals and, you know, sign the time of death that mom is passed. And we call the funeral home. He comes down. They clean mom up, put her on the gurney, and because he's by himself and a 70-year-old man, I help, you know, take mom out the front door and put her in, like, the hearst shut the back door and Mr. Nell gets in the car and drives up the little brick road and is gone. Walk back in the house with my brother and sister and it's quiet. It feels more empty than it's ever felt before. And now after 56 years of mom and dad collecting everything and throwing away nothing because of sort of coming out of that depression, my dad would pull nails out of old houses and bend them straight. One day you may need that nail. Now they like things like we like things and we sometimes use the word love things. I mean, here Warren Darripple, you love lamps, right? You like them, but we might say, hey, I love old lanterns. We all have those things that we like and collect for fun and, and they're beautiful to us. My mom and dad did that very thing. My mom was into head vases. 
I don't know if you know what a head vase is, but it's a real pretty picture of a sort of a glass porcelain lady, maybe with hats on and jewelry, but they used to put like little ferns or plants in them, and that just became a really highly collectible thing. And uh, some of the things that mom bought, like the Marilyn Monroe head vase, it had, out of all the hundreds of head vases, Marilyn Monroe was the one. That's the one that's worth everything. That's between two and three thousand dollars. And then the Jackie Kennedy head vase, right beside Marilyn Monroe. And we just would look at those, and me and my brother and sister would go back and forth and tape our names on the back of them so that the others would get all, they'd peel them off. We had a lot of fun with it. And it was fun loving those head vases because we loved those head vases. But I want to tell you what. When I walked back in that front door after mom was carried up the street and gone in that house, God really did speak to me, I believe, and it just was that reoccurring, deep inner voice. Things are nothing. I want you to hear me. Things are nothing. They break. They rot. They're eventually destroyed. Things are nothing. And the only reason that we enjoyed any of those head vases was simply because mom enjoyed them. Mom loved her head vases. Those head vases. How do you sort through But while you're sorting through, God reassures once again, things mean nothing. And the text that we have today is another rich man who lived in this world, as Jesus tells the parable, that things meant everything to him. You know the song that we sing sometimes, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. You know that song? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But, is this world our home? Well, it sort of is if you love things. If you love things, love them. Love them to a point that it makes you greedy. This world is your home. So it's odd that Jesus tells this story as he is teaching. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I want some of that stuff. The reality is if you have a mom and dad and more than likely that when they pass from this life, you're going to find yourself in the same situation. What do you do with the stuff? That's what this brother was doing. 
whatever the situation was. It's Jesus, tell him to share that inheritance with me. I want some of the stuff. And Jesus uses this, I want some of the stuff mentality and attitude of this man to teach a very important lesson for us all. But the story moves along. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge and arbiter between you and your brother? That's not what I'm here for. I'm not getting in the middle of what is happening here. But let me teach you a valuable lesson for your life. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of things. So Jesus knew the heart of this man who was saying, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. And Jesus says, you've got to be on your lookout. You've got to watch out. You have to be on guard in your own situations in this life that greed does not grab a hold of you. And greed is various and there's many forms of greed. And then he hits the spiritual truth and reality Life does not consist in the abundance of things. Because this world is temporary. Life, we live, we enjoy, we can have fun with, we can like things, but they should not be the master and the king of our hearts. Relationship with God is what is most important, what is most valued by those that understand completely this world is not my home and that my treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue in the heavenly realms. And then this text begins to cause us, I think, I hope, to step back and look at our lives and truly answer for ourselves, not for someone else. Has things taken over my heart? And are things more treasured to me than my God? Because Jesus says, watch out, be careful, it happens. And for those who don't have a lot of things, you don't have to feel as though somehow you're not blessed and worthy of God. Because life does not consist in the abundance of things. And what peace that can bring. You see, as Jesus goes on with this story, some things that you have to make clear about life and God's blessing is there's no curse because you have wealth. It's not wrong for you to have a business that prospers. But it's like, how do you view it? What is your attitude about it? Jesus says that it's easier 
for a rich man to go through the eye of an eagle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. God made Abraham rich. God made Isaac and Jacob rich. God made Moses rich. God made Job rich. Nothing wrong with wealth and blessing and abundance, but it's the attitude towards that wealth and abundance. And if it has the kingship of your heart, or if you know that only God occupies that place as your treasure in your heart. So he tells them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place for my crops. And so what Jesus does is give us insight into this man's mind and the way that he's thinking about life. Look at this. Look at this bumper crop. Look how much grain I have. What am I going to do with all of this wealth? This is great. What should I do? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store surplus grain. Do you notice the attitude? It's, it's progressing. This next slide, Jesus is going to show the true ultimate impact of the mentality when he says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and celebrate. Eat, drink, and party. But eat, drink, relax, however you want to say it. That was his mindset. Look at all this blessing. Look at all this abundance. Got to tear these barns down. My abundance is so great. And I'll build bigger ones. And I'm going to store all that stuff in those barns. And then I'm going to be able to say to myself, Hey, Patrick, sit back. Relax. You deserve it. Enjoy life. You've got all of this. Celebrate. Party. Right? That's right there. Jesus is saying... I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain. I've saved, I've planned, I've prospered. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see what Jesus is showing us? The God of this man's heart is the eating, the drinking, the parking, the relaxing, and taking life easy. That is his God. That is what's stored up in his barns. And I'm just telling you, Jesus has told us that attitude and mindset is dangerous. It's hazardous to your spiritual well-being. And it is wrong because it is not what God wants to be our treasure. God doesn't want these things to be your treasure. Do we want to take life easy at times? Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. Do we love eating at different places? Hey, I'm the biggest on that. I love food. Drink and be merry. Give me an ice cold Mountain Dew and I'll be as happy as I can be. 
I noticed I didn't get an amen on the Mountain Dews. There is nothing wrong with enjoying life. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes says God is the one that gives us and blesses us with enjoyment. It is God above who sees our lives and blesses us with happiness. But it is not to be the number one priority and treasure of your life. Working all my life. I'm planning this, I'm planning that so I can go do everything that I've always wanted to do. You better be doing everything you've always wanted to do right now in relationship to being rich towards God in this life. Because that's priority. This is wrong-headed and it is wrong-directed of our spirits to be there. Look at this. This is what Paul says about the eat, drink, and be merry. Paul goes on about his struggle and he says in 1 Corinthians 15, If I've fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul says, if you want to eat, drink, and be merry and relax and let that be your God, that's okay if there is no God. That's okay if there's no life after death, but for the people that are living in view of the resurrection, who knows there's life after death, we don't eat, drink, be merry, and party, and let that be our God and our treasure. It just cannot be that way. Because, Jesus says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of good in their heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Now, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What this man was saying revealed what was in his heart. Your heart is what guides you to God or away from God. And your heart is filled with evil, ungodly things which ultimately lead you away from the Lord or your heart is filled with His Word and His truth and His Spirit which is guiding you towards Him That's what makes you rich towards God. Maybe if this man would have stepped back and thought about it, he would have said to himself, Lord, look at the abundance of my harvest. I've got to build bigger barns. I'm putting all of this wealth in those barns. Now, Lord, how do I use that wealth to show that you are my treasure in this world? That is being rich Toward God. Looking at your life. And saying. God show me. How to use my life. And the things that you give to me in this life. To be rich towards you. That is where God wants us to be. And that is what Jesus is talking about. When I get to heaven, get to see my mom on the other side. I'll probably forget, but I would like to ask, if I could do it in real time right now, what's that Marilyn Monroe head vase mean to you now, mom? You've got dad by your side. You've got your son by your side. 
you've been reunited with your parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents that loved the Lord. I want to refer back to one thing that I did not say to you last Sunday. When the rich man was in torment and agony at that moment of death while his funeral was going on on earth, I want to remind you what it said about Lazarus. Abraham said, Lazarus is comforted here. Sandra K. Gill is comforted there. Your loved ones who knew the Lord, who were rich towards God, will be or are comforted there. And that's why it is so important that in our richness towards God, that we are not disowning Jesus publicly, but living out His name and our relationship and our belief before others with a humble boldness so that they might be moved by the Spirit, convicted by the love of Jesus to be rich towards God. And on the day that they pass, they are in comfort with Abraham in his bosom. Heavy teaching. Hard because there will be many that won't know the experience of being comforted. But for those that are moved by God and to receive and to believe and to obey and to surrender, they, you, we will be comforted. Oh, I'm glad that my mom is comforted. I know that she could care less about a Jackie Kennedy or Marilyn Monroe head face now because she is in some sense in the presence of the Lord. As Paul would say, it would be better for me to be here with you and it would be better for you that I was here to teach and lead and encourage. But oh, I want to leave this life to be with the Lord. That's richness towards God. So how you use your possessions, how you pray, your attitude, the way you think, the way that you talk about the Lord, that is the elements of being rich towards God. Let the Lord God Almighty, the God of Abraham and Isaac, be the God of your heart because the things that you say Listen, the things that you say, once in a while we all slip up and we say some things that we regret and we do some things that we regret, but the things that flow out of your mouth on a regular basis is because that's where your heart is. And let those things, if they're evil, convict you and move you to seek God and prayerfully ask Him to intervene and change your heart to be more of an individual that is rich towards Him in what is coming out so that it's all natural. But God said to him, you fool. Do you know the Bible tis that you and I are to call no man a fool? But Jesus is the master teacher. He is the son of the living God. He is God in the flesh. And He can do and say things that we can't. 
Jesus says to this rich man whose mindset and worldliness has taken him down the wrong path, you're a fool. You think you have all these days ahead of you. I am the God that holds life in his hands. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then your things won't mean a thing. But your fate will be sealed. Hebrews 9.27 For a man is destined to die once and face judgment. That is a thus saith the Lord from his holy word. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I've got 30-some head vases. Ash, help me out. This would look great in your house. (laughs) But you know, so say I keep them all in my house. I die next week. Then Dee's gone a few years later. Then Ashley and Jabez sort through our junk. And they give some to their kids. And then if they stay around long enough, they give some to their kids' kids. And then so on and so forth. But eventually all that is gone, right? This head vase, Marilyn Monroe, I didn't know that was great, Grandma. I don't like it. That's the way stuff is. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. This is Jesus. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. I encourage the Kentwood Christian Church as a body of believers and as a family to be rich towards God, which will effectively make us rich towards one another. And it lived out in this community will ultimately be God's way of blessing, convicting, and calling others to His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your holy word. And as we continue just to praise and worship Your name, we ask that each and every one would make that decision to be rich towards You. And especially, Lord, as we prepare for communion. Amen.